Welcome to Better Edge, a Northwestern medicine podcast for physicians. I'm Melanie Cole, and today we're talking about how a new biomarker detects aortic valve disease. Joining me is Dr. Michael Markle. He's the vice chair for research in the Department of Radiology and the Lester B. Francis T. Knight Professor of Cardiac Imaging at Northwestern Medicine. Dr. Markle, it is a pleasure to have you with us for this fascinating topic today. And as we get into it, can you first tell us a little bit about the history of imaging modalities to detect cardiovascular anomalies? How has MRI become this important tool for the clinical evaluation of patients with cardiovascular disease? Well, thank you very much for having me today. So that's a great question, of course. There's many competing imaging modalities that we have available today in the clinic for investigating patients with heart valve disease. MRI is actually one of the later ones that became available clinically. It's actually been available since the 1980s and 90s, but there really has been tremendous technical progress over the last couple of decades. And particularly in the early 2000s, there has been almost a paradigm shift in terms of imaging and MRI has then become available really for imaging of many aspects of the heart, valves, and surrounding vessels. In particular, it's now possible in relatively short time, really during a simple breath hold, make an image of the beating heart or of the flowing blood through the heart. And that really has transformed healthcare in the sense that you can now really get very detailed information about the structure and function and flow of the heart. It's absolutely fascinating. What an exciting time to be in your field. So tell us about your study with the 4D flow MRI as a hemodynamic monitoring tool in cardiopulmonary exercise testing and what 4D flow MRI was used to detect really. So let me just talk a little bit about the background. So this was a study in patients with heart valve disease, more specifically aortic valve disease, which is actually a very frequent disease affecting about 2 to 3% of the U.S. population. One important subset or subgroup is patients with bicuspid aortic valve disease. In fact, bicuspid aortic valve disease is the most common heart birth defect of the heart, and it affects 1 to 2% of the population. In BAV, the three typical leaflets of the aortic valve, two of those are fused, and that results in a much more narrow opening of the heart valve when the blood is ejected from the heart into the aorta. Now, if you're born with a bicuspid valve, this is not necessarily cause for action or concern. However, there are severe secondary complications associated with bicuspid aortic valve disease or can be such as aortic dilatation, aneurysm, dissection, or even rupture. Now, what's really interesting about this disease is that not everybody who's born with it develops these complications. Only a subset of patients go on to develop aortic dilatations and aneurysms, whereas others stay normal for the rest of their life. So the question is, or the really interesting question is, why? Why do some patients develop complications and others don't? So there are, there's two schools of thought. One is kind of a genetic defect. So you kind of have a birth defect. So there's the thought that there's a genetic abnormality of the aorta that weakens the aorta. And that's partly true. There's some evidence. And the second hypothesis is that it's the flow. Remember that kind of more narrow opening of the bicuspid aortic valve changes the flow that goes through the valve, accelerates it, and then it hits the aortic wall. So the thought is that this change Changes in flow could kind of promote remodeling of the aorta and lead to disease. 
Now, 40 flow MRI is a new imaging technique that was for a large part actually developed here at Northwestern that can measure 3D blood flow dynamics in 3D and over time. That's why it's called 40. And the study we conducted, we looked at 70 patients with bicuspid aortic valve disease and used 40 flow MRI to better understand if we can extract parameter from the flow through the valve that would kind of help us to better understand who is at risk developing these complications. Wow. So what did your findings indicate, Dr. Markle? So what's really interesting about this study is there was a longitudinal study. So we included 70 patients at baseline and followed them more than five years later to see who developed complications and who didn't. And then we looked at several kind of imaging biomarkers. And one of those, it turns out, that's called wall shear stress, which kind of quantifies the uh, drag force or the shear force of the flowing blood along the wall. It turns out if that wall shear stress is elevated at, at baseline, that was predictive for patients developing aortic dilatation. So in other words, if you have higher wall shear stress in the aorta, you're more likely to developing these complications. I'm an exercise physiologist, Dr. Markle, and the implications of these findings are really astounding. So how important is the early detection of disease progression in the development of prevention and mitigation strategies? How do you feel this will help with that? And how will this study translate to patient care? That's a great question, obviously. And, you know, in bicuspid aortic valve disease, the health team all struggles with how to plan patient management for actually decades. I mean, again, remember, this is a birth defect. You have to plan care for decades of the lives in these patients. And right now, it's more like a regular monitoring to see if the aorta grows. And if the growth is too large, then actually that's an indication for surgery and replacement of the valve. So kind of a very, very big intervention. So with this parameter, hopefully, Hopefully, we'll have a new measure, a new biomarker at our disposal so that early in the life, we can really identify those patients at higher risk and then really just their therapy plan, their management over time. So you could think about, you know, doing this measurement at a patient early in life. And then if your watch stress is low, you could say, okay, I mean, this patient, we can do a very kind of minimal monitoring scheme, bring the patient back every five years for an echocardiography, whereas somebody else who has higher risk, you probably want to have regular visits on an annual basis and really pay more attention to any changes in their cardiovascular system. What an important tool. So tell us about an MD and PhD collaboration, because I find this fascinating as well during this study. What can other professionals learn from this collaboration? I think what's really critical to the success of this imaging technique, this study, and generally research in that area is really cross-disciplinary collaboration. And what you've mentioned really tight collaborations between MDs and PhDs. I'm a physicist by training, and it was always important to me and critically important to me really directly connect to my clinical colleagues in radiology, cardiology, and cardiac surgery, really as a team to evaluate the diagnostic value and prognostic value of these new techniques. It's really important to combine that complementary information or that complementary expertise that everybody brings to the table, really. And that's what, in the end, will improve healthcare and therapy management of those patients. So, Dr. Markle, do you have any final thoughts for other providers, things that you would like them to know about the 4D flow MRI as that hemodynamic monitoring tool and new biomarker that can detect aortic valve disease? 
One thing to keep in mind that this is one study in a reasonable science cohort, so we still need to do more research to solidify our findings. But I think we do have a new promising biomarkers. And the message to the healthcare provider really is to consider cardiac or cardiovascular MRI as an option for their patients because there are a lot of ongoing developments. There are very meaningful images that are generated with that technology that can really help in managing those patients. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Markle. What a fascinating episode this was. To refer your patient or for more information, please visit our website at breakthroughsforphysicians.nm.org slash cardio. And that concludes this episode of Better Edge, a Northwestern medicine podcast for physicians. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other Northwestern medicine podcasts. I'm Melanie Cole.